0: It is Friday, November 11th. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and I'm AJ Hoffman. The Panthers bounce back with a win on Thursday night football and basketball on an aircraft carrier. Here it comes the Vegas truth.
1: This is straight out of Vegas.
0: Give me a we are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for
1: sports conversation with. A Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The Falcons fall to the Panthers 25-15 in a real doozy of a Thursday night game. Both Josh Allen and Matt Stafford miss another practice. And UFC 281 this weekend. Two titles on the line. Plus, we have
0: basketball on an aircraft carrier. It is Veterans Day, and the Vegas lead will be that. AJ, uh... Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service to this country. For the listeners that do not know, you have served. And on Veterans Day, we honor all those that have served this great nation. So thank you. Thank you. Sir. I will uh, be getting a
1: free steak later on today. You going to put, like, onions and stuff on that? If, if it's still free, I mean, course. I don't do any
2: toppings on the steak.
1: I can't do that. I don't do need that. toppings, but I, I don't just do any of that pile stuff. Just
2: a pile of ketchup and I'm good.
1: Oh, lordy. Really? <laughs> no. Okay, what about butter? Are you okay with Butter on steak? Butter on steak? Oh, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, when
1: you're cooking the steak, you I'm put I'm talking about, on it. like, put some on oh, it's a, done. Yeah.
0: Uh, garlic butter? Garlic. Oh, yeah. Now, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. A little stuff. rosemary
1: and thyme yeah, on the yeah. side. I don't need rosemary or thyme. Just, uh, just Give me that garlic butter. Well, now I'm
0: getting hungry. It's too early for this. Although steak and eggs sound really good after this podcast. Steak and eggs hold the eggs. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about Thursday Night Football last night. And and this is why the NFL is so wild. We always talk about the NFL being a week-to-week sport. And it truly 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 is. Last week, the Carolina Panthers looked like a dead team walking. They practically quit in their game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Baker Mayfield actually led them on a couple of touchdown drives in the second half, but when Steve Wilkes announced that P.J. Walker's going to be their quarterback once again moving forward, I think a lot of us felt that this was a team that was heading
1: in the Tank direction. I mean, I literally sent you guys in our group chat. I sent a, a gif of a tank. Like that was <laughs> a, I said, they say PJ Walker's going to start next week. And I sent a tank. That, that's the only thing I could think that was happening. So I, I don't – I the Panthers are the, maybe the hardest team in the league to understand. I have no idea what you're going to get out of these guys. Uh, it is wild that they not only won this game, but really it kind of dominated this game. And it's – you know, the game – 10 points, but this was this was really never even in doubt. It didn't feel... They were they were in control of this game the entire time. The Falcons can't kick field goals. Again, I said this after Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. Let's stop with comparing Evan McPherson to Justin Tucker. <laughs> Let's stop with, with Young com- comparing Young Way Koo to Justin Tucker. There's levels to this, friends. Justin Tucker's on his own level. Stop it. This was... An embarrassing
0: performance from Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have looked good this year. Embarrassing? He led his team in rushing and passing. Please. How dare you? Please. I tweeted out at one point, (laughs) Marcus Mariota looked like he was tanking more than the Carolina Panthers organization. Uh, He just couldn't do anything. Uh, And I understand the rain was, was falling, and does it affect the throws? It's the wind that affects the throws more so than the rain. And really, he was missing open guys. He was very indecisive with the football, holding on to it, not throwing it away, taking sacks. The offensive line at times gave him no time to even do anything. And it wasn't until really in the fourth quarter where their offense started to open things up. But overall, a bad performance from the Falcons. Credit the Carolina Panthers for,
1: I guess, staying alive in the division race at 3-7? and Listen, I think if the if the bucks lose in germany like the falcons could play next week for first place in, in no but the panthers i'm saying uh, still i mean alive the panthers now. could play for first place in the division yeah it's unbelievable but yeah that's where we're at this is a really really awful division but um yeah, everybody's right there in striking distance four four and five first place three and seven last place no one's out of anything yet. McKenzie and I played a game. I don't know if he got you in on this before uh, Before we started the show. We played a game called Guess the QBR because I said this was one of the worst QB games I'd seen all season. Okay. And McKenzie, you put both of our picks into a vault. Let's break it out now that we, we know. This was last night. We said Guess the QBR. Now this morning, we know the QBR. What were our guesses and how do they compare to actual QBR?
2: AJ, you guessed Mariota 33, Carolina P.J. Walker is a little bit better, 41. It came up the opposite. Carolina P.J. Carolina Walker only had a 20. Marcus Mariota only had a 56. I guess slightly below each of your answers, so we kind of split it. Because I was closer on Mariota. I was closer on Walker because I guess lower. Uh. and I was farther away on Mariota. Because he actually had a 56. I guess it's because uh, 232 rushing yards for the Panthers. Yeah. But he that also but but what happened was
0: Mariota also uh did connect on that touchdown pass in the fourth quarter, wide open down the field, which does um does help his numbers. And PJ Walker connected on a touchdown pass to LaVisca Chenault that was actually ruled a run because the pass technically went behind the line of scrimmage. So that could have been A 40 yard touchdown pass instead of a 41 yard touchdown run because it was a screenplay. So imagine Walker with 11 of 17 for 149
1: with a touchdown. Great point. What I told McKenzie last night, and I can't wait till we find this out turnover worthy plays. My guess is Mariota had more. You think so? Yeah. He threw a couple of balls that were in the receiver's hands, including one
0: that was the receiver had the interception, but it, he was called for pass interference. But the throw, like it was pass interference. Actually, it shouldn't have been pass interference. It should have just been a legal contact because I forgot who the cornerback was, but he he basically clocked, clobbered
1: uh Kyle Pitts.
0: But the throw was so far behind Kyle Pitts that it was right into the receipt, it right into the cornerback's hands.
1: I was gonna go four to three. PJ Walker with more, but I get we'll have to wait. We'll know I, I this think, weekend. <laughs> I think Mariota had more turnover-worthy plays. Either way, an epic battle, a battle for the ages. Uh, I guess we should give credit to Deontay Foreman, who did have a good game. He was maybe the only person who can look at himself in the mirror today and say, you know what? I played good football last night. <laughs> so congratulations to him. 31 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Christian who? I don't know that guy. Uh, but the, the Carolina Panthers run game continues to thrive without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and a 10-minute a, a advantage in time of possession as well. But part of that, the, the domination of the run game.
0: So. so I do think the
1: Panthers will get blown out by the Ravens next week. Uh, and Panthers it, are on a bye, and then they get to get blown out by the Ravens. No, Panthers play the Ravens week eleven. Oh yeah, I guess I, I was looking at November twentieth and forgetting that like they played on Thursday. So yeah, yeah. it's a, a long week because of so, the Thursday night. It's yep. a it's a uh, one of the modified byes. because yep, yeah. Week thirty. So they, it's I Thursday. apologize. I apologize. But the,
0: the Falcons are home to the Bears, and it's a must win game now. I know. I got to be honest. I, then again, maybe Atlanta is just a different team inside. But I'm curious to see how the Bears look this week because I might be enticed to take a look at the Bears in Atlanta. Uh, uh, you think
1: uh, fading the Atlanta Falcons' run defense? You think that's a good idea? <laughs> you think? I, I think you're. I think you may be on to something here. Like I just said, Deontay Foreman with 130. Deontay Foreman, who's like a forgotten guy. Mm-hmm. 130 yards that, that'll that'll make you want to fade a run defense in a hurry so ugly game good win for the panthers if that is a good win i don't know what the panthers goal is at this point uh if it's still to win football games congratulations to them but i'm telling you you're you're making the path easier for these teams that are that are tanking the right way teams like the houston texans it's going to be hard to catch the texans and the lions when it comes to that top draft choice at this point
0: the two biggest injuries in the NFL right now in regards to what's going to happen on Sunday is Josh Allen in Buffalo with his elbow and Matthew Stafford in L.A. who's been dealing, or I guess he's in concussion protocol.
1: Both quarterbacks... I like how you not even want to say he's dealing
0: with a concussion because we don't know. We don't know because <laughs> you get placed in the protocol on Wednesday. It's, it's awkward. Anyway, both quarterbacks did not practice on Thursday. And their status for Sunday is... Right now, up in the air, and we will, I I guess, get a clearer picture if they don't practice on Friday. If if there's a limited participation in practice on Friday, maybe there's a chance that one of them plays. But if they both miss practice again on Friday,
1: both of them aren't playing. Agreed. And one quarterback did come back yesterday, Ryan Tannehill, Full participant in practice for I would the Titans. Expect him to play, yes. So at this point, you do expect him to play. You're starting to see a lot of minus threes on the board instead of the two and a half that it was earlier in the week for the Titans. So for Josh Allen and the Bills, you, you and I briefly touched on this. I guess, well, not briefly, we went into it a little bit.
0: I'm okay with Buffalo with Case Keenum. Uh, I really am. Um, I understand the line is still at three and a half. If it gets announced that Josh Allen is out, so if we find out later today, that he doesn't practice. Do you think this line moves? Yeah. Does it stay three and a half? No,
1: because if, if if Josh Allen doesn't play, I think this line goes to three or maybe below three. Then I will be on the Buffalo Bills. I will be too. I think, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play Case Keenum at minus three and a half, though. But I will play Case Keenum at two and a half or three. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment
0: wholeheartedly, and I think that it's interesting to see that no book has moved off of the three and a half. And I guess they're waiting on the Josh Allen news, but already we're we're getting all the tickets and well, it's like money six, six is points. on the, is on
1: Minnesota. It's like it's moved from six points. Like this yeah. is like it's it's pretty much built in that Josh Allen isn't going to play, but not announced. If Josh Allen practices today, I'm going to be running to my book and trying to get we'll down get to some three and, three and a half. half. Yeah. yeah. And, and as far
0: as the Rams are concerned, line is still holding at one and a half. If it's announced that Matt Stafford does not practice uh, later today and he's out, you still know the numbers between Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury. Does starting Wolford
1: worry it, you? Yes, yeah, it does. This is a bad offense to begin with. But even though Stafford is not Stafford's not doing anything great this year. No, he's not, but he's not John Wolford. And it, this the drop like the drop off to Case Keenum feels like okay, Case Keenum is a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. I can't in good conscience say that Wolford is. Uh, McKenzie makes a good point. The total in this game's dropped from 45 to 40 and a half. The last two games for Matthew Stafford, 165
0: passing yards and a touchdown, 187 passing yards and a touchdown. Yeah, and to your point. He hasn't thrown for multiple touchdowns in a game since week two against Atlanta when he had three touchdowns and two interceptions. Every other game, it's
1: either only one touchdown or zero. And if you like, the Rams here, you you don't mind that this is like you think this is going to be a low scoring game. You can, you can win this game with their defense. Yes, I I, I mentioned eleven and one McVeigh against the Cardinals in his tenure with the Rams. In those eleven wins, the Cardinals have sc- have scored under thirteen and a half points per game. I, I mean they're not even they're not even averaging two touchdowns a game in those games. So, and and then you think about even the first game this year. You know what I mean? Touchdowns they scored? Zero touchdowns in week three against this Rams defense. The Rams defense owns the Arizona Cardinals. There's also uh, the video now is circulating
0: of the conversation from last week with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray on the sidelines. Let's give a listen.
2: Boy, what you looking at, bro? What you see? Bro, you're like right you right to see on the field. Come on, come on, bro.
1: That's your wide open. Hey offense, let's go, let's go offense, 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 let's go offense, let's go. I'm trying to win.
2: It's good. I'm trying to win. Listen, it's listen
0: same deal. Nothing. Listen, nothing, nothing they're doing right. It's us. So that's from the hard knocks in season, AJ, and you could hear AJ. I mean uh DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't know what Kyler Murray's looking at. Doesn't know what he's seeing, and he's like, "I'm trying to win. Give me the ball."
1: Yeah. uh, Listen, and and of course, Kyler Murray's defensive about it. I've said this a lot. Kyler Murray's in the conversation for like, if I, he's the least likable quarterback to me, his body language, his his general presence is a a giant negative to me. The fact that his own teammates are saying, dude, what are you seeing out there? Mm -hmm. It it real, this is going to end up being one of the most fascinating contract decisions ever like it when if even like it's already started off that way when yeah. you think back to the uh the no video games policy that was originally in this contract and and, and the must do homework yeah, policy yeah yeah like the homework policy yeah, it's just crazy but i think as as we go on it's only going to get crazier so
0: hopkins uh in that last game against seattle only had four catches for 36 yards did score a touchdown so we'll see if uh maybe kyler force feeds him Maybe a DeAndre Hopkins over is the way to go
1: for this game. Good luck. Like I said, this offense has not had much success uh, against the Rams.
0: Let's take a look around the rest of the NFL as we get ready for week 10 Sunday. Uh, The action starts with the Seahawks and the Bucks in Munich, Germany. And the Bucks are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We talked about this game a lot on the Dream Preview, and you're all over Seattle. I have a strong lean towards Tampa Bay, but the number is so interesting here because it's that two and a half, three and a half conversation, right? It's a, And and for those that are just listening for the first time, uh, there's a saying from Chris Andrews, bookmaker over at the South Point, who did a radio interview and said, you know, if you see three and a half, usually that's a sign to light. To light. And if you see two and a half, usually that's a sign to take it. Well, we have a two and a half point spread here might be a sign to
1: take it with Seattle. Probably a sign for me. I, I am going to take it with Seattle. I'm also going to tease Seattle. I think it's, this is a perfect opportunity. Absolutely. The Bucks' offense has been so inept, they're not running away from anybody. I think Seattle's offense, which has been elite uh, against Tampa's offense, eight and a half points, Like I, I don't know how many points Tampa's going to score the entire game. But if I can if I can tease this up to eight and a half, uh, that seems like a gift to me. I don't know where so, I don't know how the Bucks cover something like that.
0: Can I give you the dance partner? I think it's pretty obvious too. But well, I don't know if we're on the same page or not. The Pittsburgh Steelers. No, that's oh. okay. So that's your dance partner. That's my dance partner. Okay, my dance partner, Broncos up to nine.
1: Okay, it, not as valuable because you're not getting through the three. You're on like you're. But I, but I'm getting through the
0: seven and the eight. Which yeah. we know the eight's valuable now, but in a Fez game, would yell at you here. By the way, in a game with a total of thirty-eight, give me plus nine. Yeah, because Broncos and Titans will be low scoring. You have two team. You have a team that runs the football predominantly against a really good defense and a bad offense. I think this is. I think getting nine points in a game that is projected to be well
1: under forty. Uh, I think it's a good move. Here's what I will say, though. This is why you might not need to tease this, because I think when it's announced that Tannehill is going to play. Tennessee three and a half and just take the Broncos? Yeah, yeah. or well, I li- even. I maybe. mean, I like
0: the Broncos either way. I like yeah. the Broncos at three. I'm just looking for you know
1: extra value, especially with a low total as 38. Yeah, for me, it'll, it'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers who um, I, I don't know who the Saints are to warrant being a road favorite, a road favorite yeah. here. But I can take the Steelers right now. There's some twos out there. A lot of one and a halfs though. Either way, it works uh, from one-and-a-half to seven-and-a-half. Uh, that's the move for me.
0: Jacksonville at KC. The Chiefs laying nine-and-a-half points. No movement off this nine-and-a-half-point
1: spread. Yeah, the the Jags' defense has been really bad the last couple weeks. They, they had three good games early against Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Justin Herbert, if you remember when Justin Herbert was hobbled. Since then – They are 30th in DVOA against the pass, and that's been against Davis Mills, Matt Ryan again, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, and David Carr. Mm -hmm. Now in walks Patrick Mahomes, who is in the discussion for best quarterback in the world, number two in QBR, number two in PFF, number one in MVP odds. This could be a bloodbath just uh, seems like a
0: wake-up call for kent for kansas city after last week's performance they
1: went to they went to overtime last week against yeah. a backup quarterback yeah the jags broke a five-game losing streak I, I just i don't want anything to do with the jags right I now. i feel like anybody
0: on the jags is buying high on the jags buying low and selling low and by the way
1: mahomes in the last three games has averaged over 400 yards per game that's been against buffalo san francisco and tennessee all top ten defensive DVOA teams. Mm. Now they get the Jags. Oof. The Giants host the Texans. Uh,
0: spread gone down. Uh, the Giants are laying four and a half. What's happening here? What am I missing on this? People Why are betting the Texans? Why? Because they think that the Giants shouldn't be laying
1: five or six to anybody. I mean, this is the Giants do have a bad home field, but I don't know who I don't know who people think the Texans are. I again, this could be people looking at Carolina, who we thought had quit. And saying, you think they quit? Watch this. Uh, The Giants are a heavy blitz team, the heaviest blitz team in in the league. And this is a bad offensive line. They already can't protect Davis Mills. And this is the worst run defense in the league by far. I said this on the Dream Preview. The gap between the Texans at 32 and the Browns at 31 Mm -hmm. in PFF run defense is, is is less of a gap than the Browns at 31 to the Bills at 22. <laughs> like the, So the Browns are closer to the Bills. Yeah. And the, the Bucks by the way, are right there in that same conversation. The Browns' run defense is closer to the Bills and Bucks than it is to the Texans. That's how bad this Texans wow. run D is. Saquon Barkley off a bye should be rested. I expect him to have a big day. So you think I should make the Giants my survivor pick this week? I think so. I mean I'm not, I, you're so far into it I don't even want to give any advice cuz I I'm terrified that you'll lose it but uh is there like it, would it shock you would it be the shocker of all shockers
0: if the Texans won this football game
2: What are your other options you're considering
0: Miami All right what about Buffalo Uh I don't I'm not going to take Buffalo
1: against Minnesota okay. <laughs> No yeah, I, I I don't really see how the how the Texans win this game, but like you said, the NFL is a crazy, crazy beast. So let's talk
0: about my other option then. This is Miami laying three-and-a-half at home against Cleveland. I don't know how the Browns defend against this Dolphins offense that has really
1: just under Tua is a different animal. This is where – I and RJ said, if I don't understand it, I stay away. The summer line on this game was five-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. The look ahead was five and a half. Yeah. Now it's three and a half. Why? The Browns were on a bye. The Dolphins won a football game.
0: Yeah, but I guess the Dolphins kind of struggled, and 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 Josh and uh, Justin Fields ran all over them.
1: Where, whereas, okay, Jacoby Brissett's not doing that.
0: I'm just saying that that's what people are looking at. Yeah. Whereas the Browns did beat the Bengals, and we saw how good the Bengals were last week, blowing out the the Panthers. All right,
1: but yeah, before you know what the Browns had done before that,
0: absolutely they beat Carolina yeah. and Pittsburgh. That was it. I but, guess I guess the idea is, can the Dolphins stop the
1: run? And we know that the Browns just gonna run the ball. Listen. I'm, I'm going to admittedly say the Dolphins' defense is terrible. I still think they dominate this game. They're better at
0: home. This is the thing. For me, it's the home road splits with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins' offense and defense, both better at home. They have a distinct home field advantage, and it's going to be like 80 degrees, 82 degrees, 70% humidity in Miami on Sunday.
1: Uh, it's going to be uncomfortable for the
0: Browns' players.
1: Speaking of those two uh, of, of the Bears, the Bears are hosting the Detroit Lions, and these are the two worst defenses in the league, arguably two of the worst. Certainly, there's two and a halfs and there's threes out there. Yep. Um, it, it feels like Justin Fields has kind of unlocked a cheat code. Like he's he's figured something out, so he's progressed. What you expect in year two, guys, to take a jump. He's certainly taking a jump. Two bad defenses. The Bears are the offense that I trust right now, which I wouldn't have thought you know, three or four weeks ago.
0: Pretty wild that, you, that we're actually saying that about this team right now. Uh, how about an offense that we don't trust? That's the Indianapolis Colts with their new head coach, Jeff Saturday, their new play caller, Parks Frazier. Taking money, though. Yeah, they are. Uh, this line is now four and a half. The Raiders favored at home. Raiders. Think about
1: this. On Wednesday, it was six.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know what to make. I I think it could just be buyback because it opened up at three and a half, and then it shot up, and then maybe it's come. Maybe people are just buying back in. But man, I I think this is the spot for the Raiders to to really right the ship. They in three of their losses this year, they've had seventeen point leads, and if they build up another seventeen point lead here they're not going to blow it because I don't trust the Colts' offense to score that many points.
1: I don't trust either of these coaches. Uh, the Colts hired a guy off of a TV show, <laughs> and he may be the best <laughs> head coach in this game. So that that really throws me off. I, I've got no feel for it, really. Uh, the Broncos and the Titans. I mentioned Ryan Tannehill. Looks like he is back. That line is at three now. Um, I like the Broncos. That was the big uncertainty. I, I, I know this. The the defense for the Titans just held the Kansas City Chiefs in check. I think the Broncos struggle to move the ball themselves, but the Titans are not some kind of world-beating offense either. This is this is an ugly, ugly game. Yep, and that's indicative as the 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 and the Broncos are off extra rest. Yes, Yes. total in this game
0: thirty-seven and a half. Which is why, again, that teaser option just makes it so appealing. Give me mean, plus nine. Uh, in, in, and it's only it's two and a half. There's two and a halfs and threes out there. So, depending on where you are, I think the Broncos are an attractive teaser option.
1: Steelers plus one and a half hosting the Saints. That's and we talked about it earlier. That's your teaser. That's my teaser piece. Yeah. yeah. Reinforcements are here for the Steelers. This defense, 29th in total defense, 20th in DVOA. Guess what they're getting back this week? TJ Watt, Watt and DeMonte Casey. The Steelers had seven sacks in the first game this season when T.J. Watt played. Since then, they've gone one and six and had eight sacks. Mm -hmm. Seven sacks in one game, eight sacks in the next seven games. Now they're playing a Saints team that just allowed four sacks to the Ravens. I don't think Mike Tomlin rolls over here. He's got an extra week to prepare. The Saints are on a short week. I can't believe Pittsburgh's a home dog here. So I I like the Steelers. I like them especially as a tease piece. Speaking of home dogs, the
0: Packers hosting the Cowboys, Dallas laying four and a half in this game. It seems like this is uh, General Rogers'
1: last stand. It has to be. And this is, I'll say this, RJ taught me this. the, The best bets you can make are the ones that are the toughest to make. No one wants to bet on the Packers right now. They're catching four and a half at home against a dome team Mm -hmm. with temperatures in the 30s. Yep. Uh, The Packers have lost six home games since 2018. Rodgers is is five and one ATS as a home dog. This is do or die. I don't want to bet the Packers right now, but I'm not betting against them. I can tell you that for sure. I'm going to make a
0: decree right now if the packers lose this game hear ye hear ye bing, 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 bing. <laughs> if the packers lose this game jordan love starts against the titans oh oh but things will get worse i don't think jordan love can play it does, well they're gonna have to decide on this year options no, so you're right. you gotta figure out what the heck to do with this kid and if you've just lost what six straight games yep. um, what else are you gonna do for this season the season's over Season's over now anyway, but still, this is the last stand for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And I I don't want to say the season's over because they could go on a run. Not the way that they've played lately, but let's just say... Well,
1: everybody says Minnesota's phony, and there's nobody else in that division hey, looking to run away with it. Hypothetically,
0: they go on a run. They only have six losses. It's not like they have eight losses right, right. now that you're going to say, well, they're probably Which by the going to make the playoffs. Which,
1: uh, by the way, nine and eight can get you into the NFC playoffs yeah, anyway. it
0: could. It could. So, they're still technically alive. Eight and nine might get you in as a division winner. This is the last <laughs> end here for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we touched on Cardinals-Rams when we talked about the Stafford injury, so let's get into th- Sunday night football.
1: Chargers, 49ers. I want to you talk. You and I to, are against each other. Yeah, and game. I want to bring McKenzie in on this. He he is a 49ers guy, but this is a team that struggles at home, especially as favorites. They're 8 17 and 1 as home favorites under Shanahan, and it feels like they don't have much of a home field advantage. Yet somehow all this money's coming in on the 49ers. It was at 4.5, now we're looking at 7. 7 just feels like a big number against a talented Chargers team considering the 49ers, who are also talented. Neither one of these teams has really put it together. But the Chargers are 5-3. and three. It's not like they're donkeys. They, they're winning football games. Seven feels like a, an offensive number. What do you think, McKenzie?
2: I feel like it's matchup-related. I feel like if there was one team that the 49ers have a good matchup on, it's the Chargers. Chargers' fourth-worst rush defense with Christian McCaffrey, with Terrence Williams back. I feel like the market is saying the 49 I'm a little more skeptical. I agree with you. I think seven's a little bit too much. But uh, the market is saying that that is one place the 49ers have an advantage.
0: It's not just Trent Williams back, Debo's practicing, Yuscheck is practicing, yep. this is a- Elijah gonna, Mitchell. This is going to be the healthiest 49ers team that we've probably seen all season.
1: How are they going to use Elijah Mitchell with Christian McCaffrey? That's going to be a, an interesting uh interesting pairing.
2: I think it's just going to be Elijah Mitchell plays 40% of the snaps and Christian McCaffrey is either the running back or he's on the field at another position. Which, I mean, which is
1: kind of what they do with Debo. They, they've,
2: Similar, yeah, it, no doubt. It, the,
1: the one, probably my favorite thing about the 49ers' offense is they have so many guys who are so versatile. Uh, I, I, I think that makes them very difficult to game plan for. Um, but, yeah, I, again, I'm going into this knowing the Chargers' defense is not very good. They're going to have a hard time here. Just seven points feels like it's way more than they should be getting here. We are going to the USS Abraham Lincoln for college basketball on Veterans Day, the Gonzaga Bulldogs against the Michigan State Spartans. Gonzaga favored by 11 and rising. Uh, this is first of all, it's going to be a really cool game to watch. Oh, for sure. They, like I, I, I think if you've seen this before, it's a sight to behold. They've done, they've done a couple basketball games on here. We were talking earlier about when Lex Luger slammed Yokozuna on, <laughs> on <laughs> I mean, the amazing things happen on these aircraft carriers once they're out of commission, but this game should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, this, from the actual matchup perspective, I am not crazy about Michigan state here. Michigan state lost their last, their top three scores from last season and did literally nothing in the transfer portal. is like an old-school guy, it seems. They have a top-five recruiting class. That's going to take some time to get together, though. Um, for Gonzaga, who could have lost all five starters to the NBA, bringing back three starters... Feels like a miracle. Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Drew Timmy, who's in his 20th year of eligibility, will be back for them. Uh, They add Malachi Smith, who was the SoCon Player of the Year for Chattanooga. They brought in Efton Reed, a big from LSU. And I'm excited to see Nolan Hickman, who was a five-star. He is a five-star kid, I should say, that's been sitting behind Andrew Nimhard the last couple years. I think he's got real star potential. Izzo teams historically start out slow. Gonzaga historically does not. Last year, they played Texas in this, their second game of the season. They had a warm-up. Then they played a high-profile game against Texas. Dog stomped them. The year before, they played four top 25 teams in a row. Only one of them got within single digits of them. I think Gonzaga is poised to roll here. So I like the Zags on, on the uh, aircraft carrier.
0: My one question is, do we like the under? Because of the elements, because this game is going to be outdoors on an aircraft carrier. Okay, I don't know what the sight lines are going to be like. The kids are looking up; they could see the sky in the background, the beautiful, you know, beautiful sky in the background, the clouds, and all of a sudden, the the uh, the, the shots just don't fall. Maybe it get, maybe the breeze picks up at some point during the course of the night you know the original carrier classic total uh the first one 2011 we had a total landing at 122 points in 2012 Syracuse and San Diego State finished with just 111 points we got a total of what is it no, 149 or 145 and a half so this thing's dipping oh my goodness this thing is dipping even further I still think maybe 145 and a half is too high for this game.
1: The problem is you have to remember like the average Gonzaga game is lined at sure, like at 160. Sure. So this is already I think it's being accounted for. But well,
0: it's dipped so much, yeah. That's crazy. I just think that it's always the way that I would lean here with a game like this is to go up with go co- with the under.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it makes sense to me, but I, I seeing 140s in a Gonzaga game, pff, I'm not, I'm not going under. <laughs> you, make your money off that, boys. Any, anybody who wants
0: some, go get some. That 2011 game, by the way, that was Michigan State North Carolina. So, okay, at least Tom
1: Izzo has, knows he's got what experience.
0: knows what it's going to take in this game. I
1: give Mark Few credit. He has said this because he's had a hard time finding opponents for Gonzaga. He said, "We will play any team, anywhere, any conditions." Tom Izzo said, hey, come play us on a boat. (laughs) He's like, all right, let's do it. So kudos to Mark Few for actually meaning it when he said, we'll play anyone, anywhere, any conditions. Gonzaga making that road trip. I think it's pretty cool. Few college football games tonight. Kudos to you, friend. Memphis and the under. Easy money. I I didn't have the under. I just had Memphis. Oh, okay. Memphis and the under. Nah, just
0: Memphis laying the uh, seven points, laid the wood, it was a 26-10 game. Tulsa scored late in the fourth quarter. It was 26-3. So this was a, a a nice victory for Memphis at home. And part of the handicap, we talked about it yesterday, they now need one more win for to bowl become bowl eligible. That win should come next
1: week against Northern Alabama. And the Raging Cajuns dominate Georgia Southern 36-17. Defense beats offense in that one. Three games tonight. East Carolina at Cincinnati, Cincinnati favored by five. East Carolina is a scary underdog team, though. This is a a team that I don't want to bet against. I know you watch Cincinnati a lot. You like Cincinnati. What do you think here? I think ECU has impressed me. Uh,
0: three straight wins now that they've looked good in. They beat Memphis. They beat Central Florida. And they won at BYU, which is not an easy place to play. If you remember, that was a game I talked about the weather concerns being a chilly night there in Provo. And and the kids from, you know, Carolina going over there, they handled their business. One 24 Now they've had some time off. So they're a fresh team here going into Cincinnati. Uh, with an opportunity now, you know, they're not going to make the American championship game unless some crazy things happen. Actually, there is a chance for them. With a win in this game, I, I let me correct myself. With a win in this game, they would hold tie a tiebreaker over Cincinnati. Wow. And so all they would need is for Central Florida to lose a game. Because they would have the tiebreaker over Central Florida. Well, look at that. Central Florida's a dog this weekend. Against Tulane. That's right. So So this game matters. (laughs) This game matters. So if East Carolina wins this game, they will, well, they still need UCF to lose. But they would be in control of their path to the American championship game because the other teams that they are contending with, uh, Houston, they play Houston next week. And then SMU, they do not play SMU, so we'll see what happens with the rest of that schedule. But right now, uh,
1: still hopes for the ECU Pirates to make the American Championship game. In the Pac-12, Colorado hits the road against the Trojans. Trojans, 34-point favorites. That's not a lot. On a Friday night against the Buffs. When you think about Colorado's defense, I mean, that could be the first half score. Who knows? Uh, do you trust USC to look for margin here? Well, kind of my take during the the college football pod that we did this week. One of my picks was on UCLA, mm-hmm. and I said all these Pac-12 teams right now, style points don't hurt. If you're a team who's like if you're Oregon, USC, or UCLA, a team who's got a chance but is not guaranteed, even if they win out, is not guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Style points matter. Because if it comes down to, okay, we're looking at a one-loss Pac-12 champion or one-loss Tennessee, and Tennessee's put up some style points, you need style points here. I could see USC looking to go big. So let's talk about Colorado for a second. Looking, enough on
0: Colorado. It's look, enough. Looking at the uh, <laughs> top-tier programs they have faced. Okay. They scored 13 points against TCU. They scored 17 against UCLA. That's a lot. Big big day for them. Nine against Oregon State, ten against Oregon. And by the way,
1: those aren't a, like Oregon's not a great defensive football team. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying those are the, <laughs> the, the top programs. TCU is not a great defensive football team. Okay, they are not. Put, I mean, they're putting up low numbers against bad defenses. And USC, by the way, not a good defensive football team. I still I still like the under in
0: this game. Oh, that's a big balls play. But I just don't think Colorado scores enough for this game to go over. USC is pumping the brakes. And I know you want to talk about style points. Guess what? Winning 56 to nothing is style points. Winning 47 to 10 is style points. Oregon beat this team 49 to 10. That's probably the same type of game we're going to see here. 49-10 goes under. What is it, 66 and a half is what the total is for this game?
1: Let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. The last two weeks, USC has given up 35 and 37 points. That is to Arizona and California. That's not to Oregon and UCLA. That's to bad football teams. They've given up 72 points. In their last two games. But. That didn't even go back to the Utah game where they gave up 43 to Utah. But this is
0: now a standalone, nationally televised game where this is an opportunity to impress the college football playoff committee. This is their chance. There's no East Coast bias. You got the standalone game here on a Friday night. Everyone's watching. They got to impress. You're right. Style points matter. They probably cover this line. I just don't know if Colorado scores because they're just absolutely
1: god awful. Mm, I could get on board with a USC team total over. I can't get on board with the full game over, just because or full game under, because I, I think that uh, I think Colorado is just it, it, inept as they are. You think they score two touchdowns? I could see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they could score two touchdowns. Literally, everybody they've played this year, USC's played, has put up at least fourteen points. That includes Rice, that includes Oregon State, that includes Washington State, uh, that includes Fresno State with a backup quarterback. Everybody's done it. USC team total over 50 and a half. Colorado team total 15 and a half. Boy. And Colorado under is minus 120. You know how many times USC's broken 50 this year? How many? One. Against Rice in the first game of the season, I don't want anything to do with this game. I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I've talked myself out of everything possible. How about this? Let's go, Caleb Williams,
0: <laughs> over two and a half passing touchdowns.
1: And by the way, uh, Jordan Addison is expected to play against Colorado. The uh, Bolitnikov winner is is uh, looks like he's a go. That's a big Caleb deal for Williams USC. over two and a half touchdowns minus one thirty. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good play. All right. One more game, Fresno State at UNLV. This is a rejuvenated Fresno State team. If they didn't play that first half, (laughs) I would still be in last man standing. No, you wouldn't. Your pick last week lost. Yeah, who knows? But the first half against San Diego State, Jake Hayner's first half back from injury, they stunk. Since then, they have outscored San Diego State and Hawaii 77 to 20, Hawaii scored 13 points in the last four minutes of the game. They were down 55-0 at that point. This feels like a really rejuvenated Fresno team. The number is nine and a half. The first half number five and a half. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I'm I'm putting a little coin on Fresno State in the first half minus five and a half. Go ahead and lock that in. I think Fresno's up at least by a touchdown here. UNLV who started out the season looking like, hey, maybe they're on to something here. Well, the you- quarterback was out. They lost the quarterback, and and he's back now, Brumfeld, right? Y- yeah, he is back. Uh, how do you think he looked last week? Not good. 17 of 27, <laughs> 207, and two interceptions last week. Uh, and there is no home field advantage here nope. for UNLV playing indoors, which, by the way, who, who's that favor? Changing. The high-powered offense. Yep. So I, I think it, the, Fresno has a good chance to get five-and-a-half points. What? What's the total on this game? Uh, what is the total on this game? Looks like 60-and-a-half, 60 61. Let's go over. Again, I'll. how about a team total over? Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't want to count on UNLV's offense. But to I think it hang. could
0: be like a 42, 20-something type game.
1: I think 20-something it might be generous. Fresno
0: team total 35-and-a-half. UNLV team total 26 and a half. I think Fresno goes over. I think Fresno puts up 40.
1: I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. So there you go. Two bets. Fresno State team total over 35 and a half. Fresno State in the first half minus five and a half. Big games this weekend in college football. Not a lot of great matchups on paper but we'll go over some of the more impactful games for these teams that are in the college football playoff picture, and we'll start with LSU. Boy, it feels like LSU minus 3.5 on the road at Arkansas. My thought was this is a really trappy spot for LSU coming off the win that they just had. Now they go to Arkansas. This is an underrated Arkansas team, but now it looks like Arkansas may not be playing with a full deck of cards here. K.J. Jefferson appears to not be playing for the Hogs. So earlier yesterday a report from Caesar's
0: Sportsbook said that there were there was more money bet on LSU Arkansas than any NFL game this weekend wow and LSU uh um has more money to cover the spread than 22 of 28 NFL teams my goodness so um that's, like, incredible action. Everyone seems to be on LSU. The books will be rooting for Arkansas heavily.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, the, K.J. Jefferson, Sam Pittman let him play through an injury against Liberty. It cost him. They didn't win the game. I, I not. I shouldn't say it cost them because I, they they don't even have a chance in that game without K.J. Jefferson. If K.J. Jefferson doesn't play against LSU, I, I'm not – in any mm-hmm. spot to back Arkansas here. Alabama, Alabama minus Alabama 12 at Ole Miss. Alabama money
0: coming in here. I like the Rebels, man. I really do. I think this is, uh, RJ talked about it on the Dream Preview pod this week, the Dream Crusher scenario, right? No these, playoffs for you, Alabama. These Alabama kids have had their dreams crushed. This is the first time. That all these kids at Alabama are playing without having a chance to go to the college football playoff. So what do they do? How do they respond? They got to go on the road to Oxford and now beat Ole Miss by 13 points? Yeah. I don't think that's happening. I think the Rebels, they understand, hey, they got a chance here. They're still alive. They could still go to the SEC championship game. They need to handle their business, though. And I think uh there's a I might, I'll tell you what I might do. I might do a little Salt Bay. Might do a little, little sprinkle, little sprinkle
1: on Ole Miss Moneyline. Uh, let's look at UCF at Tulane. This is big for, for both these teams. Uh, Tulane, the highest ranked G5 team mm-hmm. in the country. I've been beat, banging the drum. Tulane, Tulane, they're good. This is a, a fantastic defense yet still not getting a whole lot of love here. Willie Fritz at home. Tremendous coach. 26-11 and ATS in New Orleans since he's been in New Orleans. 70% ATS. I I think this is a tough – like, I'm not discounting UCF. It's clear Tulane has a great home field advantage. Mm -hmm. UCF has a great home field advantage, which means they're less away from home. Yeah. I like Tulane here. I think Tulane wins this game. This is the dis- it's minus one, by the way. This is the disgusting part to think about for Tulane. They lost to Southern Miss. It's gonna it's gonna haunt them because they would be, they would be sitting here going, man, if we run the table, a couple things break our way, they wouldn't get into the college. I don't think they would. They're, they're
0: not. They're not Cincinnati from last year. But well, they didn't. They don't have the schedule. They didn't beat Notre Dame. Yeah, they beat Kansas State. Yeah, um, but. They would be a lock. Wait, they also beat UMass. Come on, oh, give a, and Alcorn. Let's give them credit. <laughs> oh yeah, fifty-two nothing. That was impressive. Yeah, uh, held Steve McNair to zero passing yards in that game. But they would be a, a shoo-in for a New Year's Six game. Oh, for sure. And and well,
1: they're. I mean, if they're the highest-rated G five team, they are anyway. Yeah, but
0: this is just it. What a season it would have been if they if they beat Southern Miss. Um Pressure's on. This is also a game where they can afford to lose, if that makes sense. Because a loss here for Tulane does not eliminate them from the American championship game. Right now, Tulane's 5-0. Central Florida's four and one. There's no divisions. The top two teams play each other in the championship game. So a win here for Tulane moves them to 6-0. They're, I think they clinch actually because they can finish six and two if they lose their final two games. But and UCF is the only
1: team that could tie them. No, because
0: uh have well, they no, already beat SM, SMU? SMU, no, they play SMU. Oh, they so still play SMU. SMU can finish uh, six and two, and Cincinnati can the finish two teams six that, and two. Yeah, so the two so, teams they'd have to beat. So that it's so they're not a lock if they win this game, but, but they're it, in but control those, of their own destiny. Absolutely, they're still they still are if they lose though. But for Central Florida, this is the point I'm trying to make here. For Central Florida. A loss here, and that's it. They do not control anything. Yeah. So for Central for Central Florida, if they want to make the conference championship game, they have to win this game. This is an elimination game for them. If they do not win this game, they do not go to the American championship game. So uh, this is going to be in a very interesting one. I'm staying away from it, to be honest with you. I, I don't want any part of this game because I think it's
1: a coin, true coin flip. Here's a game I know you do like. Washington on the road at the Ducks, Oregon, laying 13 points here. Yeah, I'm taking Washington. Their offense is too good to
0: lose by that many points. I think they can keep this within one score. Oregon, to me, is the best team in that conference. I've said it. I'm not going to back off of that. I just think that the spread's too high for Washington and Michael Penix, who has the number one passing offense in the country. They're they're one of the best third down conversion teams in the country. I think they're capable of keeping this within one score.
1: Texas seven point favorites hosting TCU, and people are like what TCU? They're number four in the playoff rankings. Listen, this TCU team has been incredibly fortunate. <laughs> I, I I hate to say like luck is, is, but luck's a real thing. And sometimes luck is you play every team's backup quarterback. Well, here's the deal. Quinn Ewers right now playing some really good football. And if he's not Hudson cards, a good backup quarterback and Texas can run the ball. Gary Patterson knows Max Duggan as well as anyone. Uh, This is, this is a real test for the horn frogs here. They're only road road wins this year. West Virginia and Kansas, they're they're about to be actually tested here against Texas.
0: Yeah, I, I just like taking the points in this game. I, I don't think TCU wins, but I think this is a much closer game
1: than over a touchdown. I, that's fair. Uh, TCU's I, I, offense is too good, but T, again, this is a game where TCU has everything to play for. Sure, this is, this is a, uh, and
0: I'm telling you, I said a, a joked about it a little bit on the College Football Pod. Maybe a little conspiracy theorist in me. Big twelve wants that once representation in the playoff. Those refs might be uh blowing the
1: whistles a little little more frequently on Texas. But TC uh, Gary Patterson's gonna be up for this game. He's gonna have this team prepared for this game against TCU. So uh and TCU finds himself in the same spot that Tennessee did a week ago. You're undefeated, but you're still a, a touchdown plus underdog on the road. Like it's disrespect, but Last week, the, the disrespect was warranted. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it is again here. Yeah, I I I would lean Texas if I had to play a side on here for sure.
0: We got a busy Friday in the association. Let's bring in Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA guru, and focus in on a couple of key games for tonight's NBA slate. Mac, let's start with the Cavs and the Warriors as Golden State finally got off the schneid with a win against Sacramento.
2: Do they make it two straight here, now playing the Cavs? I think they do, and I'm disagreeing with the market. So this opened up at four very quickly, got bet Cleveland money coming in, now only two. The question of this game is, do the Warriors' new rotation make an effect? Are they better? Because they're four and seven, they're clearly disappointing. And it's all to do with their bench. I've mentioned this before. Plus six when James Wiseman, I, a.k.a. the bench unit, is not, <laughs> is not on the court. And minus 21 per 100 possessions when he's on the court. So GM Bob Myers, this is new, said the G League is always an option for Ooh. James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga. Steve Kerr echoed those comments saying he would prefer playing Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb, to former G League players, instead of Kaminga, Moody, and James Wiseman. And I think the message is clear they rather play guys that know what it is to sacrifice. They've been in the G League. They have no delusions of grandeur. They're going to do the little things. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to prove the Warriors are a better team because the Cavs aren't going to out-talent you on offense. They're very organized. They play great basketball as a team. But if you're organized on your side, you should win this game as a home favorite with the Warriors. If If Anthony Lamb, Ty Jerome are just doing their parts, not doing any more, than their parts, which I think James Wiseman tried to do. They should be fine here. I think this is a get-right game for the Warriors. Haven't really played a full 48-minute game in a while. I think I think they do here. I like this game a lot. Uh, might make my card tomorrow if you're following me on pregame.com.
0: We got a nationally televised game on ESPN. The Timberwolves at the Grizzlies. Memphis laying five at home. Another opportunity to
2: get right for a team that really hasn't played well with a new piece Rudy Gobert has been minus four when he's on the court. The T-Wolves have been plus four. The question is, in the modern NBA, can you have Carl Anthony towns out there and play another seven-footer? When the L.A. Lakers brought in Westbrook, it's like, do you need Westbrook when you have LeBron? It's a similar question here, but it's a little bit worse, I think. Can you play Rudy Gobert when you have Carl Anthony Towns? The question so far has been no. And look at this line here. T-Wolves plus four and a half at the Grizzlies. That's saying the Grizzlies are about two, two and a half points Better than the T Wolves. All right. The end of last year's playoffs, when these two teams were in the playoffs, the Grizzlies were considered about two and a half points better than the T Wolves. In the meantime, the Grizzlies lost their second best player for a while, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. So that should be a two point downgrade. And the T Wolves added Defensive Player of the Year candidate every year, Rudy Gobert. That should be a three point upgrade. However, the T-Wolves have played so poorly and the Grizzlies have played so well, there's been no adjustment. The market considers the Grizzlies exactly as much better than Minnesota as they did last year. That speaks to coaching. That speaks to culture. It's not all about X's and O's. Sometimes in the NBA, 1 plus 1 equals 3 in the Grizzlies' case. And in the T-Wolves' case, 1 plus 1 equals like 2.75. So very disappointing results so far But Rudy Gobert had his best game of the season last time out, so this will be an opportunity to see if they can work him in. I'm skeptical. I think uh, the Grizzlies are the side to look at here.
0: Good stuff, Mac. There he is on the NBA. Just a four-game slate on the ice tonight. The Penguins are at the Maple Leafs. Toronto minus 155 with a total of 6.5. And, And, you know, these two teams are interesting to me, AJ, because uh, Toronto – had some real struggles early on in the season and they've bounced out of it nicely, snapping out of a funk three Oh and one in their last four games. And Pittsburgh is a team that also endured their struggles. I mean, they lost seven straight games before snapping out of it with a win in their last game against Washington. I think both teams are feeling good about themselves. Uh, I'm curious to see what the goaltending matchup is going to be for this one, but, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some goals here between two really good offensive teams. Uh, elsewhere, you got the Lightning and the Capitals. Tampa minus 145, total of 6.5. The Sharks playing the second night of a back-to-back there in Dallas. Dallas minus 205, total of 6.5. And, and there is a trend out there with minus 200 or greater favorites playing against teams on the second night of a back-to-back. Just saying. The Wild take on the Kraken. Minnesota minus 120 with a total of 6.5. It's been an interesting road trip. For Minnesota losing one nothing in L.A., bouncing back with a four one win in Anaheim, now traveling up to
1: Seattle. UFC two eighty one in Madison Square Garden. That's after two eighty and before two eighty two. That's correct. You're all over this UFC stuff. You you. You might be have an, you might be an expert in another sport, Scott. Look at you, two title fights: Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira, and Carla Esparza and Weili Zhang, uh, also fighting for a title. I'm going to go ahead and give out a pick on the main event here: Adesanya and Pereira. This is a fight that has happened in a kickboxing ring before. And Whoa, what do you mean? These two f- kickboxed each other before they were fighting before MMA. They, before they went to the UFC, yeah. And uh, Pereira is new to MMA. He's had seven fights in MMA, six and one, three and zero oh, since he's been in the UFC. Israel Adesanya is a long reigning middleweight yeah. champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how does this happen? Well, promotion. That's how it happens. They say, hey, this guy. Knocked Israel Adesanya out cold oh, in a kickboxing really? fight. Was that Pride or something? Or no, it was a, oh. a, a, a Glory. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's a, a no. It was actually in Brazil. It's a kickboxing organization. Before these guys had thoughts of MMA. Yeah. And Alex Pereira knocked him out, left him stiff in the middle of the oh, ring. Oh, oh, and so they're like, "Ooh, no, no one can beat Adesanya, yeah. huh? Let's bring in the guy who's done it." Big promotion. Here's what I think is going to happen. Now. The the, what people are talking about the scuttlebutt is four ounce gloves. If you get knocked out in twelve ounce gloves, you get knocked out in four ounce gloves a mm-hmm. lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I think somebody goes to sleep in this fight. Whoa,
0: okay. You know, Adesanya hasn't had a uh, a knockout
1: since if it's in the last five fights. Everything yeah. everything's decision. Yes. Everything's decision. Uh, Pereira, though. I, I think he wants to prove a point here. Don't you think, don't think Adesanya oh, so you wants think to prove so a point? you think he's coming out swinging? And, I think and, that he's, and maybe either he catches him or he gets caught. All they've shown for the past two weeks is Adesanya laying on the ground in a ring. Wow. He wants to get that back. He can say he doesn't care about it, but he wants to. And this Alec, uh, this, this, Pereira, he fights like a, uh, like a monster. He's terrifying. Mm-hmm. He hits so hard. I think that there's no way this thing goes to the judges. Does not go to decision. Minus 105, that is going to be my play. Five rounds. Pereira's never fought a five-round MMA fight. I could, if he, if he loses, I could see him gassing out late and Adesanya getting a finish, or I could see Pereira landing something big early on. Uh, Either way, I think we have some violence here. I don't see this one going to the cards. So minus one hundred and five. It's basically a coin flip. I like this a lot. Minus one hundred and five. Yeah, not the distance. Yeah,
0: fight to go the distance. No, I'm seeing. Yeah, minus one hundred and ten, depending on the book. Yeah.
1: Yep. I like this a lot. This is a good handicap out of you. Well, there Um, you go. Good. Some good fights on the card include Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Uh, Dustin Poirier. That's my dude. A much more skilled fighter. Michael Chandler is a dog, though. That's another one. I have a hard time seeing that going to the scorecards. So, but again, if I could see a world where Michael Chandler does the smart thing. And they asked, they asked Dustin Poirier at the uh, press conference. They said, Michael Chandler said it's not his job to go put on uh, great fights, it's his, it's his job to go in and win fights. Does that mean you think Michael Chandler's going to go in and, and try to wrestle you? And Dustin Poirier said, he better. <laughs> that better be in the game plan for him to try to wrestle me. Cause if he doesn't, he's in a lot of trouble. So I, I think that's another fight that if, if anybody wants to get it to the ground, it's going to be Michael Chandler, but I don't think he's particularly interested in it. Uh, to this one, to not go the distance is minus two seventy. You got to pay. But what I do think you do is if you like Poirier, you take him to win inside the distance. You like Chandler, you take him to win inside the distance for Poirier. It takes him from being a minus 215 favorite to an even money favorite. If you like Chandler, it takes him from being a plus 185 dog to a plus 275 dog. So I think an inside the distance prop for whichever fighter you like is the way to go. All right, let me ask you about one fight here selfishly.
0: Frankie Edgar, the Jersey guy. A lot of, he draws, every time he fights, I mean, I know this from growing up in the area, and we, everyone, we always go to the bars and everyone roots for Frankie Edgar, right? So it's just like a thing. It's like you have pride in New Jersey. This is his last fight. This is it. He is retiring after this. It's in New York at Madison Square Garden. You know he's going to have the crowd. You know he's going to have all his family and everyone there in attendance. He's a heavy underdog at plus 195. Can we take a stab on Frankie Edgar, leaving it all out on the line for one last shot at glory? He has lost four of his last five fights, five of his last seven fights. He's hasn't exactly been in good form. There's a reason why he's retiring. But can we bet him as a
1: dog here one last chance at glory before he says goodbye? Here's what I'll say about his opponent, uh, Gutierrez, Chris Gutierrez. He is a guy who has had, if you look at his record in the UFC, he's 6-1-1 but he has, for lack of a better term, walked a tightrope. Like, there's a lot of those fights where things could easily go the other way. He's a very – a, a, he's not a banger, which that might be Edgar's biggest problem right now is running into guys who can really put it mm-hmm. to him because he's not as durable as he once was. That was once Frankie Edgar's greatest strength was he was so durable. It, it, I don't think he has to be durable in this fight. This is a slow-paced fighter, uh, very defensive opponent, I think if Edgar presses the action here, he could actually make something happen. I think Edgar, of all the dogs on the card, he's one of the more live ones. So if, if you if you think Frankie's got something left, this is a good matchup for him. Got to
0: leave it all on the line, no like, doubt. If you are truly retiring after this fight, and that's what he said, this is he's even said Madison Square Garden is the perfect uh, opportunity to say goodbye because it's a local fight for him. So if if you're laying it all on the line, you got nothing to lose. Like that's it, you're over. he wants to leave it all in that octagon. Every ounce of energy and fight he has left in him is going to be left out in that cage. I'm taking Frank Yeager plus 200. All right, get it, my friend. If you want to jump on board A.J. Hoffman's uh, UFC card for this Saturday, take 20% off at pregame.com using the promo code UFC20. Uh, It's good for one use, UFC 20, get 20% off of AJ's MMA card for this weekend. In fact, the promo code's good for everything at Pregame.com, so you can get 20% off uh, anything you'd like at Pregame.com. I highly recommend, though, AJ's UFC 281. See, I remember that. That's right. Good for you. UFC 281 package available right now at Pregame.com, promo code UFC 20 Don't forget, we're also still running the Beat Mackenzie Rivers NBA Contest. It's a free chance to win $1,000. Go to pregame.com, click on Contests, find the McKenzie Rivers NBA Contest, enter for free. The contestant that earns the most units will win $500 cash. And if that winner earns more than what McKenzie did last year, then that contestant will win a bonus $500. So your chance to win $1,000 for free at pregame.com. My NHL package still rocking and rolling 34 and 13 on Amazing. this season. Uh yeah, 2 and 0 night last night. Hopefully carry that over into the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the fights from Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman. I'm Scott Sidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.